welcome to another message presented by the ministry of Christian Faith Fellowship. We are fulfilling the call of God on this ministry to preach the Word of God without compromise, raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that we have to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Here in Acts 10, it's one of my favorite stories. Most scholars believe that Cornelius, who we're about to read about for a minute, was the very first real Gentile convert, Christian. Now, there might have been some others, and we don't have that recorded. You don't know. We'll know when we get to heaven. But at least the ones we know about, the early church believed that this was the, probably the very first one to ever meet Jesus Christ. And I love what it says about him. Let's read for a minute in verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion. That means he's an officer of, uh, of the band called the Italian band. Number, no, verse 2. And a devout man, say devout. Yeah. One that feared God, say feared God. Yeah. With what? That means his whole family, his house. He, he dedicated his house. If you haven't done that yet, even if you're renting or something, if you haven't dedicated your house, I highly recommend that you get your family around you. Maybe you're single, but get your family around you if you can. And just dedicate your house to God. Just like when we do a building or we buy a building or we build a building, which this church one day is going to build a building. And you can see it in the spirit. It's coming. And, uh, and we'll dedicate it. We'll have a dedication service, and we'll dedicate that building. And you should do the same thing to your home, not just, yes, the building, the property, but your household. As for me and my house, meaning my family, we're going to serve the Lord. Yes. Dedicate your family to God. That's what this guy did. And it says, uh, you know, he feared God, which means revered, which you and I would probably say serve God, worship God, and uh, with all of his house, which gave much alms uh, to people, he helped a lot of people, and he prayed to God always. So he's a man of prayer, he's a giver, and he's dedicated his house and family to God. But I want to talk about the fact that he was devoted. The devout man, what, what does that mean, Doc? He was devoted to God. He put God first in his life. When I was a, going to Bible college to be a preacher, they taught us at the Pentecostal college that it, it was God first, family second, church third. And somewhere along the line, I ran into one of their bosses, Roy Hicks Sr. Dr. Hicks was a four-square boss, superintendent, chancellor of the college eventually. And he said, no, boys and girls, if you do that, you'll pay a dear price. You got to have, it's got to be God first, God first, and God first. And, it, and that means God first in your heart, God first in your family, God first in your church service. Because if you start downgrading certain areas of your life, like, well, I love God with all my heart, but I sort of love him in my family. And I sort of get my family in. Or you'll say, well, it's God first, family second, 
You don't even have God in there, just family second as a second priority of your life. Of course, family's a priority. Yeah, we get that part. It is to me. But, you, but we can't separate that down like we're watering it down like, well, we give God our heart. We give ourselves to our family. And when we can, we make it to the house of God, church third. But this man was so devoted, he just de- dedicated everything to God, himself, his, his family, his house. And I like that part because that's what I am. I think it's what you are. I do. I'm not a double agent. I didn't meet Jesus and still belong to the world. I don't let the world use my mouth, my money. I don't let the world drive my mind, feed me with their philosophies, psychologies, and trash. Uh -uh, I'm I'm, I'm totally sold out to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and I'm glad, I'm not bragging on me, I'm just wanting to, I'm making my confession about who I am. I think if it was your turn to speak, you, I think you would say the same thing. Hey, I'm sold out to Jesus, man. I'm a Christian, I'm living for Him, I'm worshiping Him, I'm praising Him, and that's how, that's how I live. Uh, my money belongs to Him. When you think about it, and it's, it's kind of like, a, what I'm about to say, it's kind of like a lost doctrine in modern Christianity. But one of the greatest truths about you and me and this kingdom is that you are not your own. You have been purchased with a price. God owns you. And he paid a dear price to own you. Because there's still a devil. But there was a devil saying, no, take me, for example. Never raised in church. I don't ever remember going to church. I don't think we ever went to church. We never had a Bible in our home, but a big old thing on a table that was like my mom's safe. So when she had a special picture or a document, she lifted that big cardboard cover and slid the page, closed it down. We, believe me, we never read it. It was never read. Now, I'm not proud of that. It's just the way we were, the four Barclay boys were raised. But since I met Jesus Christ, the person of, I think that's a key element. In fact, I think it's a key element in our churches that we don't raise our young people just to know our doctrines and our music and our pastor and, and know in church life, but they have an encounter with Jesus Christ himself, right? You still with me? But one of the first things that I was taught as a baby Christian, I still was trained in Marines actually out at Camp Pendleton, and uh, my very first pastor said, now Mark, do you know what happened when you got born again? Well, I didn't know, I don't know any Bible at that time other than, well, yeah, I got born again. Do you know what happened when you got saved? Yes, sir, I got saved. That was, the, that was the depth of my definition. Well, when you accepted Jesus, do you know what really happened? Uh, yes, sir, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Those, that was as deep as I could go, not knowing any Bible. And this was the first thing I think he ever taught me, and I'm pretty sure it's the first thing I was ever taught once I became a Christian. No, Mark, you listen to me. You gave your life to Jesus Christ. That means it's not yours anymore. You've been purchased with a price. You don't make your own goals and your own plans and live your own life and ask him. His phrase was, you, you don't ask Jesus to be your sugar daddy and bless everything you want to do and everything you want to be. Right. You give your life to him 
and you let him tell you what he wants you to be. Why did he purchase you? Now, later on, I found the benefits, didn't you? I get to go to heaven. I escape hell at all costs. Man, that's a big benefit, right? And I learned to, to live in peace and have joy in your heart, even when you go through, you know, satanic attacks and people attacks and you go to hell and back and things break down. Not everything's just peachy for Christians. You know that. You are one. Not, not a peach, a Christian. Yeah. But we're not our own. We've got to find out why did Jesus get me born again when he did? Wave at me if you are a Christian. Wave at me. I want to see you. Listen, if, now don't take this wrong, but if the only goal was to make heaven, was to make sure you escaped hell, if that was the only goal for you to get saved, born again, you know, these, the, the phrases mean all the same thing, accepted Jesus, then why didn't the Lord just wait like five minutes? He knows when you're going to die. Five minutes before you die, and then get you, as we call it, led to the Lord, born again, and you go to heaven, and then he wouldn't have had to put up with Mark Barclay all of his life. You can't even calculate how much money's been spent on you to be a Christian. How many church services, how many sermons, books, videos, audio, letters, crusades, prayers. We can't, there's no way you can calculate the cost of that. You know, I... Uh, I still have a lot of connections with the military, and a military uh, commander was telling me this a while back. He said it cost a minimum of $500,000 per military personnel in order to recruit you and get you in and out of boot camp, in and out of training, in and out of your duty station, like, like even more so if you're going to be a pilot or you're going to be a high-end satellite intelligence officer, even more so, uh, money is spent on you. And I thought, a half a million dollars per soldier or airman or marine, you know, or sailor, or a half a million dollars average? Now, I went in and out. Nobody told me that. I didn't know it was costing everyone else that's your money, by the way. Thanks for training me, by the way. Thank you. Amen. Whether you knew it or not, it was your tax money. Yeah, but when I look at the soldiers of the cross, that's you and me. You're a soldier of the cross. You're in the army of God. You've been drafted. And thank God you said yes. And we just don't know the time, the prayers that have gone into you and me and, and to make us a good Christian. God wants us to be a good Christian, not half-baked, right. not half-world and half-Christian, but to let our light shine. You know all these things. This is kindergarten Christianity we're talking about. So, obviously, back to my point, obviously, the Lord had a reason to get Mark Barclay or you born again way before your day of death. So even though heaven is the ultimate, ultimate gift and the ultimate, by far, the greatest goal of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it can't be the only one. Yeah. It can't be the only one. So we must have got born again for a reason as well as make our way to heaven. 
I, I never have understood why people want to reject Christ. I, I kind of get why they don't get religion and they don't even like you and me when we get religious and not real Christians, you know, whatever. I, I kind of get that. But I don't get why anybody would say no to a free gift to escape hell at all costs. There's only one or two places to go when you die. And man, and a couple of religions, man has taught the human race that someone can pray you out of purgatory. There is no purgatory, by the way. Pray you out of hell, give something to the church, and buy your soul back. These are, these are all make-believe. The only opportunity you and I have to make heaven it's while you're still breathing. When you take your last breath, your options are over. And the only way to heaven is Jesus Christ. Contrary to some modernist preachers that are telling you different things, but they're not true. I'm going by this. I don't care if she's pretty, he's handsome, they're prepped, they're groomed, they're rich, they're famous. If, if they're saying a way to heaven other than what this is saying, I'm not buying it. You can buy what you want. I'm sticking with this. I'm sticking with what God said. Amen. Can I have a better amen? amen? This guy, he's a Gentile. Cornelius. He wasn't raised in the temple. He wasn't raised in a home where they had things written on the wall and on the door and the doorpost and they, had, they heard stories about Moses and Elijah and Elisha and, and, and how God provided in the wilderness and how he split the Red Sea. And, and he wasn't raised in that kind of house. He's a Gentile. But in the process, he met Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Here's a word for you. He, Cornelius was renovated. He was totally renovated. Not only was his spirit man born again, but look what he's doing now. You don't, you're not devoted to God if you don't know God. Yeah. I know people that say they know God, and they're not devoted to God. You can tell by how they talk, live. Thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. <laughs> he devoted his life to God. That's what I have done. That's what I plan to do. All the way until the trumpet blows. Now, if the trumpet blows today and we go to heaven in what we call the rapture, I will be a happy man. If the trumpet doesn't blow today, I won't be quite as happy, but I'll be okay. I'm not suicidal, nothing like that. I'm going to finish my course to live. You know, I'm going to finish my course to preach. But the goal isn't, uh, for me, the goal isn't just to be old, to make old age. And to make sure my kids and grandkids, that's part of my life. My goal is to make heaven and make sure my family makes heaven and make sure everybody else that I can touch makes heaven and that I share my walk with God with somebody that doesn't know God. Like you said, you've heard me say it. Uh, there's a Mark Barclay out there somewhere. People ask me, why do you work like you do? Now I'm 71, but I've been hearing this for like 10 years. I think when you turn 60, they think you're like... <laughs> You should sit down, Brother Barkley. You must be tired. Man, I'm wearing out 20-year-olds. What are you talking about? And so uh, I just, I'm just going to give him all I got until the trumpet blows. And because 
You know, they say, hey, you, you pastor a dynamite church. You know I do. And that those people are awesome. They take care of me and Vicki and no issue. I get, you know, I printed books, syllabus. I write for, for colleges and universities. And I got missionary. I, they say, Doc, you don't have to work like that. Why don't you just stay home, pastor your church, or turn it over to the young guys, and you take it easy. I said, I can't do it. Because like your pastor told you this morning, it's a driving force for me. I hope it is for you. But the driving, the number one driving force to me is that everywhere I go, every letter we write, every book I write, every telecast we make, every radio broadcast, every missions trip, there's a Mark Barclay sitting out there. He's a nut. He's in trouble. He thinks he's his own God. He's breaking everything in his life, and he doesn't know why. He can't get out of it. He's probably bound with anger or, or resentment or, or just maybe bound by substance. I was an alcoholic myself, but bound by something and doesn't like it and doesn't want it. Right. I never wanted it. Right. I fought hard to live a good, normal life, and, you, and I couldn't do it without Christ. But once I met him, my life was renovated from the inside out. It took a little bit longer on the outside. You know what I mean? I think the Lord might still be working on the outside. Now, inside, I'm born again, you know, but on the outside, it took me a while to get rid of rage and a foul mouth and, you know, slugging and choking everybody and just having rage, you know, and drinking and I don't know. I was such a mess. As a, as a baby Christian. And you got to remember, people are going to come to our churches and they're like this. We can't expect them to be like us yet. They're not disciples. They're, most of them will be Cornelius's until we get them saved, maybe water baptized, I hope, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then they can devote their life to God. They can put God first, you know, in their life. Amen? Amen? So we let our light shine and we have an influence. But thank God that not only did I meet the person of Jesus Christ, but I met the church. Yes. It's okay if people meet us first and then Jesus. Yes. That's normally how it works. You invite someone to church or a certain meeting, or maybe you just bump into them and you pray with them or you talk to them, or it could be somebody you work with, a relative, uh, sure, most people meet the church first. The church tells them about Jesus. The, the ones that do accept uh, the Lord in their heart, praise God, they're renovated on the inside. All things pass away. All those old things pass away. And behold, all things become new. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Inside. Outside, we need to run into disciplers. Good pastors good believers in the church that will help a guy like me get free. And they did. Thank God for the church. Say it. Thank God for the That's you. That's you. And so somewhere along the line, you're here this morning most likely because you devoted your life to Christ and to help build his work and do his work out of gratitude. Maybe out of duty. I think I do both. I'm a pretty duty-minded guy. But I think my, my bigger driving force is I'm just so grateful that I'm not living the life the younger Mark Barclay lived. 
that I really am living as a Christian. My family is. The people around me live for Christ. It creates such an environment, you know. Uh, I never was a womanizer, and you know, I've only had one girl, and I did cheat and kiss her at 13, but you know, I, I made it right because I married her at 18. But uh, I, I've never had, in all the problems I had, I never had that kind of, I, I've never been that guy. But, uh, but a lot of people are. They, he, he, most sinners, they don't get to really choose what has bound them. It's through friendship or who you grew up with or what attacked your life. But once you devote your life to Christ, now notice I didn't say just meet Jesus. Or accept Jesus. You got to do that. You got to become a Christian. But then Cornelius, thank you. You paved the way for us. You taught us. Be a, what did we reach? Dedicate your house. Dedicate your family to, to Christ. Don't be quiet. Don't live a quiet Christianity. We live out loud. Christians live out loud. We let our light shine. We're the salt of the earth. Those aren't just sayings, right? That's who we are. And thank God that's who we are. And then to live this life that's devoted to Christ. I don't want to be like Peter in the sense that he told the Lord, I'm going to the cross with you. I'll die beside of you. You know, he's a big talker. And then he ended up denying that he even knew Jesus at the time. Now, now, I don't judge Peter too hard or any of these uh, characters in our Bible because almost none of them were born again. There's nobody born again until Jesus rose from the dead. So even with Peter, James, John, etc., most of them did all of that without being born again inside and having the Holy Spirit living in. But you and I, I don't think we can pull that card out and say, yeah, but I, I'm not born again. No, if you're not, get born again. Praise God. And then I want to give you one more verse before I pray over you. Turn the page over. You can read later. I would recommend you read later uh, all about Cornelius. If you don't want to read it, I, I don't have it with me now, but you can contact us. And I just did a whole teaching on Cornelius. It's recorded video and audio if you'd like to have that. And we discovered more about this guy's life. This guy's a pace setter. Why again, Doc? He's a Gentile. He wasn't raised in the temple. He doesn't know Hebrew truths. He didn't know about Moses. He didn't know about the prophets. No one taught him uh, that we know of growing up. He kind of reminds me of, of me knowing none of that. And yet once you meet Jesus Christ... Something happens inside of you that you are changed forever and ever. And it's a happy day. Yes. It is. Yes. All things have become new. Old things passed away. All things have become, I'm a new creature on the inside. Right? Now, I'll humbly admit, I waited for the train to go by so you wouldn't really hear this. I humbly admit that once in a while, the old Mark Barclay wants to rise up and instead of forgiving someone, just go choke the snot out of them. Marine DI style. But then I say to myself, you better learn to talk to yourself. Then I say to myself, you can't do that anymore. You tell that old nature to shut up. 
you're now a Christian. Christians aren't strikers. You all look so pretty and pious and religious, like you've never been angry at anybody before and wanted to punch them in the running lights. But don't do it. Turn to someone and say, don't do it. You're a Christian. Now, here's the verse 38. We're, uh, we're still in chapter 10 of Acts 38. How God, are you there? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who was anointed? Jesus. Tell me out loud, who? With what? And? Now, here's my take. If Father God saw fit that His only begotten Son needed to be anointed, how much more do you and I need to be anointed? I mean, if the Son of the living God, the Christ, sinless, needs to be anointed with the Holy Ghost and the power of God, anointed means to be empowered, enabled, uh, an old Marine Corps synonym to this is called camouflage. We smeared camouflage on us. We could look like a bush, a tree, the side of your house, or maybe your mother-in-law. Depends on the mission. <laughs> yeah. That's what this, to be anointed means God was smeared upon you. His power. The Spirit of God was smeared upon you. And, if, and, and that happened to Jesus. Now look at this. Look what happened after the anointing was smeared upon him. He went about doing what? Good. Doing what? Good. And what? Healing. Healing. How many? Oh. That were right. oppressed of the devil. Yeah. So it's not just bodily healing. Right. It's people who were tormented, depressed. We have a lot of those people today because of the times we live in. For God was with him. You don't want to serve God without this anointing. I mean, you want to serve God, but why would you choose to serve God just naturally? Because you met him. You kind of got a little religion. You kind of sort of do church. You kind of sort of have a Bible. Or there's a lot of very devoted religious people that don't know God at all. I mean, they pray three times a day. They go to their, their synagogue, their temple, their mosque, I mean, in the hour of prayer, they'll kneel down wherever they're at. It don't matter if they're on the job, in the street. You know, they're very, very dedicated to their religion. But this says, when the anointing of Christ comes on you, it goes beyond your commitment. And you can't, this is what I think. <clears throat> you can't help but go about doing good. You can't help it. There's something on us and in us. The power of God and the great Holy Spirit causing us to help other people and healing people and delivering people and getting people free from binding forces. Finally, Christmas is coming and I'm already looking. Can you believe that? I mean, it's September, but you know, it's almost, I mean, we're pushing October. So I'm already meditating in my favorite Christmas verse. Matthew 1.21, the angel comes and talks to Joseph 
has said, this thing that's happened to Mary is of God. It's not a man. She's going to bring forth a son. You call him Jesus in, in English. Jesus. Because, here's the quote. Here's the verse. Because he has come to deliver his people from their sins. Well, you can't be delivered from your sins if you still got the old sinful nature in operation. Impossible. You can be free from the penalty of it through the blood of Christ on judgment day, but you're going to live with, a, with that old nature unless somehow you can deal with it and God can deal with it, right? Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of Christians still suffer and can't get free from things. He has come to deliver his people from their sinful nature. He, let me help you. He come to deliver Mark Barclay from Mark Barclay. And I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did. So all of my life, 1972, since that time, that's what I mean by all, really all my adult life, basically. It, I met Christ in a war zone. And I spent all my life since that moment of time asking God, help me to live the life you wanted for me. The reason I was born on the planet. Mama didn't know. Daddy didn't know. Or I would have known. But no church, no Bible. Think about that in America. Think about it. In the United States of America. To be four boys to be raised without any Bible, no church, no prayers. Like, wow. And yet, to be anointed by God to not just be free... Freedom's a great thing. I don't know, so maybe all of you have been perfect and never needed deliverance from anything, but that's not my story. Now, thank God I've been delivered for a long time, but I still remember what it was like to be bound and wanted to get rid of that stuff. It couldn't do it. I, I tried everything. I mean, the world has all kinds of programs, and, and they, they'll give you this drug to get that drug out of your system, but now you're bound to this drug. you got to go to this class. you got to belong to that group. They, I think they try hard, it seems, but there was no freedom in any of that for me. But there was in Christ. Amen. That's why you and I are not only going to build a great church with, with no sin, no leaven, no tinsel, no Hollywood, just real Christians serving our God, raising our babies, helping each other, and then reaching the community. Can I have an amen on it, please? Lift your hands to heaven then. Do it now and say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to empower me to reach other people, to be that devoted Christian, letting my light shine, being the salt of the earth. Empower me. Deliver me. Make me into a great witness. In Jesus' name. In the book of Acts, it says when they got the Holy Ghost, it says they became witnesses. Like Acts, it starts like in Acts 1.8. They became witnesses, both locally. I mean, it names it, but both locally. We'll say statewide, countrywide. And eventually, some of them went to the whole world. It didn't say they just talked to witness. It said that they became a witness. You know, after that, the Holy Ghost came upon them. Power came to be 
witnesses. Sometimes when we say witness, we just mean go out and, and not, I'm not degrading this, but we say, well, I'm going to go out and witness to people. So what are you going to pass out tracks, knock on doors, go to the park? It's all good because you never know who you're going to. There's a Mark Barkley out there saying, does anybody know a way out of this? I'm living miserable. So you never know what door you knock on, what person you give a track to. Someone you stop and talk to for a minute could be me. It could be a Mark Barclay who, who every day of his life is crying out, is there, does anybody know how to get free and live better than this? But your friends don't. They're, they're, in those days, they were, they're as bound as I am, right? You, you can't have demon-possessed people chase the demons out of your life or anything else. So, Lord, anoint us to be, not just speak. That means our life has been renovated. We don't talk like sinners. We don't walk, which means live, like we did before. We're not a witness of Satan's work. We don't, we're not a witness to other people. Like if there's a car crash and you saw it, you're called a witness. You witnessed it happen. So not only did I get born again, but I witnessed other people who their lives also have been totally changed, totally renovated like mine. I'm a witness to that. Right. I am. So I can tell anybody, hey, oh, oh, you want to know about that? Let's say the car crash. You want to know about that? I was there. I witnessed that. That really happened this way, not the way you heard. But when it comes to humans, I've been there. So when someone says, oh, that Christian stuff, that church stuff don't work, I, I say, oh, no, 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 no. Well, were you there? No, I was there. So-and-so really did get saved. Look at how he lives now. Right. My church, our home church, is one hour from my hometown where I was raised, I say, as a total pagan, a sinner. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We didn't use the terrorist word then, but maybe they should have. I think we terrorized everything. We didn't mean to. You're that evil. Yeah. You're that wrong. Right? You just... And so... Even to this day, now I've been there 40 years in that church, 43 years. I work out of there mostly now. But I still have people come out of my hometown and want to know if I'm that Mark Barclay. <laughs> Think about that. Now I usually say, oh no, he died. He did not. You're him. No, he died. I was there. I'm a witness that he's dead. And, he, and that Mark Barclay did die, the Bible says, unto Christ. So then I laugh a little bit and I said, no, it's, it's me. I'm just not that guy anymore. But you know what? People I went to school with, people in the neighborhood, you know what it does? They knew me before. And they know me now. They see me now at least. Or they see, you know, on television. Or they got a book of mine or something and they say, I got to go see him. It's hard to believe that guy actually, not only, you know what they say, got religion, but he's a preacher. I got to go see for myself. And a lot of them have over the years. Yeah. My best fighting, my, my, let's see, one, two, my three best fighting buddies and drunks when we were kids all got converted by me. Uh, I didn't even witness to them. They just found out I got born again. They couldn't believe it. So they come to see me at the church. You, you really are one of those Christian people. 
Yeah, I decided to escape hell. I'm sorry you're going, but I'm not going with you. <laughs> what? I'm going to hell? Uh huh. Rapidly. It lasts forever. I tell them. It you do know this, right? Hell lasts forever. There's no break. Lasts as long as heaven. Well, how do you know we're going to hell? Because I was on the same path. I used to tell them, when I got born again, the fire was right here. I was still burning. You know, I barely just a brand plucked out of the, the, out of the burning, the Bible says. And they gave their life to Christ and started coming to church. Just based, <laughs> I guess just based on the difference. Right? One guy came. He's a, he's a postman when I was a kid. You know, we lived in the country, a little village. So he was the mailman, and he delivered the mail to the mailboxes. Well, we tormented that guy. I don't know why we did, because we were, we were nuts. So we'd, uh, we'd, we'd make a fake letter like my mom's mail in the letter, and we'd put a mousetrap in the mailbox and put the letter on it. And then we'd all hide behind a tree and snap, ah! And then, of course, he'd just cuss out the Barclay boys and jump out of his car or something, right? One time we took an old garden rake, not a leaf rake, the hard kind, and we, we, we laid it down so that when he pulled up to, it, and threw leaves on it. So when he pulled up, he, his tire would hit the rake and the pole would come up and smack him, which it did, sad to say. So we tormented this guy. So one day he shows up at church. Church is over. He, asks, he tells Smitty, our man, he said, is the pastor here? Yeah. Would he visit with me for a minute? Well, he might not be here. I think he's gone. Well, just tell him the mailman is here. <laughs> so Smitty come back and said, uh, there's an old guy out here. And he said, it's the, it, he, all he said was to tell you the mailman is here. I said, tell him I'm in Africa, in the jungle. My phone doesn't work there. And he can't get a hold of me forever. I said, are you serious? So I went out and he just looked at me for a minute like this. He wasn't smiling. He looked like that, and he goes, you are a Barclay boy. I said, yes, sir. He said, you know what all you boys did to me? I said, yes, sir. But I, don't, I haven't done that to a mailman in a long, long time. I don't do that. He goes, I had a feeling. He said, somebody told me that you became a Christian. And he said, since that time, this is how it works. Since that time, son, I became a Christian. And I cussed you boys out, and I called you names, and, and uh, in one way, you deserved it all. But in another way, I've always wanted to find you and your brothers and tell you that I'm now a Christian, and I should have never spoken to you that way. But that's all I knew then. So I'm thinking, wait a minute. You didn't come to prosecute? <laughs> You, you want me to say, you want me to forgive you? I said, sir, uh, obviously you weren't a Christian and neither was I. And he said, well, I'm sure I wasn't, but I know for a fact you weren't. <laughs> and and uh, the witness, your witness, that's why I'm telling you this, that people know you, people see you, relatives know you. So we would just walk the walk and live the life. Our light just shines. And the darker it gets out there, the more we're going to be able to help trouble people 
get out of their fix. And like Jesus, in fact, raise a hand right now and say this. Heavenly Father, like Jesus, I ask you to anoint me with the Holy Ghost and with power so I can go about doing good. And I can heal people's lives in the name of Jesus. We pray you were blessed by the message we were able to share with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to find out more about our ministry, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.